Vincent Price. And you're invited to my party in the house on Haunted Hill, where so far the ghosts have murdered only seven people. So won't you come and make it eight? You'll see human heads without bodies. Mysterious pools of blood dripping from the ceiling. The walls move slowly in against you. Don't try to escape, you can't. are waiting, so won't you join me in the house on Haunted Hill? Hurry, or you'll be late for your own funeral. Horror Hounds, welcome to episode six of the Black Sunday Tapes Classic Horror. After your incredible feedback from our last William Castle episode, we've decided to go down the William Castle rabbit hole again with one of our favourites, Sir Michael. Absolutely. What are we looking at this week? <laughs> Uh, this week we're going with the classic House on Haunted Hill. Arguably, maybe his, his most well-known picture. So you got to imagine when it came out in 1959, people were like, what, 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 what? It's got enough twists to make uh, M. Night Shyamalan proud. So, yes, <laughs> yes, it yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's why it still holds up today. I might agree with that. I do agree with that, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the the way the film ends, especially, there's a you know the way the way it ends something to do with a skeleton if you Definitely. were to if that was played a certain way you know looking at it with today's lens you would think oh that's a bit goofy that doesn't really work but then the film kind of knows that so the film brings itself around let you know and, exactly. yeah and there's like a nice <laughs> yeah. little twist on that and I think that plays really well I think that works when was the I, first time you watched I, this I haven't really thought of it that way but oh okay that's interesting no, you yeah, mentioned that. I, I, I don't know how I didn't see it that way. Uh, th- th- of course. Yeah, it was really cool, man. Uh, it, it was kind of early on in my... my uh, it was one of the... Uh, when when the, the reins of uh, being raised a small Catholic child were kind of loosened. All right, okay. <laughs> one, of the fir- one of the first things that I did was like, horror movies, those are a thing people like. Um, what's one right now? <laughs> and that had, just, that had just dropped on VHS. So I, uh, I rented that really enjoyed it and it built to a place where i wasn't terrified so much of the movie of what it was that i was seeing what what, what the reason i was i was wide-eyed and a little uncomfortable was if you've seen the remake there's a, there's a point at which jeffrey rush is in a giant room that's like an old school spinny disc of images that make the images move if you look, yeah. look at it just right uh-huh. and it just he, as he's going crazy I, all i was good, thinking was who wrote this? Yeah, and it really kind of it, it undid me a little bit, and, and and you know I kept going, had a good time with it, and, and you know I watched that movie a bunch of times. It's 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 fun, but uh, so I was like, oh, this is it's a remake. All right, what's what's up with the original? And so I want to say it might have been even close to twenty years ago at this point that I saw it for the first time, 
I really, really liked it, and it left a, a pretty big impact on me on me because I remembered certain sequences exactly as they happened. It also wasn't something that I revisited until, you know, the other day when I revisited it for this. Kind of similar with me. It was when I was going down the rabbit hole of classic horror when I was first really getting into film. I worked at Blockbuster at the time and there. we had, you know, cheap DVDs as you did. And one of them was The House on Haunted Hill. I picked it up. I grabbed it. I thought, you know, Vincent Price. Okay, you can't go wrong, really. Jumped in. Yeah, I had a pretty good time with it. I think it's a really fun film. I think in a lot of ways it still holds up. Uh, there are certain aspects that obviously play like a 1959 film, but oh, yeah, if, you're, if you're into classic horror, I, I think they're absolutely fine and, and they play really well. But I again, a bit like with William Castle's films, they're just really fun. They're really, really fun films. And this more than anything, I think, does hold up. This more than any other does play as a straight, horror film bit Absolutely. of a yeah murder mystery film there, there are is points some... where you're gonna giggle w w with the film's intention but it's not a little shop of horrors comedy it, yes yeah. exactly exactly there's a lot in this film that works there are some things that don't work we're, we're getting <laughs> to them in a little bit but yeah overall man really really like it really really enjoy it so what stands out for you what's your you know if i was going to say to you what are your favorite aspects of this film what really stands out all right, full spoiler warning, people. If you haven't seen it and you plan to watch it, let's watch it and then come back and, and listen to this because you can find it all over YouTube because it's public domain. Yes, it is. Uh, some of the stuff that really impressed me was the, the lengths they were willing to uh, show violence on, on, on camera. There's a, a sequence where um, Nora finds a head in a box. Yes. Uh, and it was, it was like, when 1959, it was pretty, it was pretty gross. <laughs> yeah, it was. The, ma the makeup effects on the head were incredible. I yeah. really, really liked a lot of the makeup effects. I, I like a lot of the effects in this film. Absolutely. They're, they, they, were very, they were very well executed. So when Lance finds the head, he carries it in such a fashion as he's running down a hallway that all I could think of was Pee-wee carrying the snakes. In oh, Big okay. Adventure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just, that's just where my brain went. Yeah, I actually have to agree with a lot of that. I For me, what really stood out was some of the acting I thought was really, really good. Vincent Price, obviously, you know, oh, on the top. God. You always know what you're getting. He's incredible. But I thought the... And he, and he knows what he's doing, and he knows what he's in, so he makes it Of course better. he does. Yeah, of course <laughs> he does. There's a scene at the start of the film with him and his wife where she's getting ready, and, you know, he comes up and wants to see if she's ready for the party. And there's just this great back and forth between them about how he's... She's, it's implied that he's killed his previous wives beforehand. So you kind of go into this scene that, okay, maybe he's the one in danger, but through the course, uh, sorry, that she's the one in danger, but through the course of the scene, you quickly work out it's him that's in danger because of the way, you know, there's this great line about where she tried poisoning him before, but she don't really let up that she really did, but it's obvious she did. And yeah. there's this, there is just really, really great back and forth. There's some really great dialogue in there as well. And I thought for... I took a note about this specific scene myself. Winfrey says, of all my wives, you're the least agreeable. Yeah. And she just snaps back with, but alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some great dialogue between them. There's, um, there's the piece of dialogue as he's exiting the room where he says, don't let the ghosts and ghouls disturb you, love. And Annabelle <laughs> says, darling, the only ghoul in this house is you. It's just really good the way they play with each other. But the piece of dialogue I was referring to earlier, 
and it's just there's a whole back and forth but the opening line for me is just really good where he says do you remember the fun we had when you poisoned me (laughs) (laughs) it was so good it's just such a good opening line it was such a good back and forth and to be honest with you if i could get anything else out of this film it would be them i wanted to see more back and forth between them which you don't really get too much after this scene like you you get scenes between them but it doesn't have this playful attitude where i get the impression that vincent price and i forget the actress name carol omart i think such great chemistry on screen and i would love to have seen more of that i really would because it's those pieces and then yeah i think the the rest of the cast play out really well obviously the most uh notable kind of back you know start to finish you've already touched on her is the character of nora played by carolyn craig there's parts where she's clearly overacting she's clearly really over the top i think it's quite clear that she was hired because she has such an incredible screen like the film the film actually opens up on that black screen with all the different noises happening and it ends with her screen you haven't even yeah yeah it's her screen yeah and then all the way through the film the whole way through the film you know it's just her screaming after screaming after screaming after you know and it's incredible it's such a good screen even though in some scenes it is a little bit overplayed and a little bit overacted but it's quite a nice touch to it to be honest and uh yeah it kind of brings a smile to your face just thinking about you know back in the day how hysterical that must have seemed and yeah it, it worked really well man I, I really really liked it it was a really good score too like it's pretty common back then like where we keep talking about this the, the, like score being something that the 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 tone especially at the time and uh, it, it knew what it was doing <laughs> yes it did yes it did and and i think that's a great segue onto our next talking point actually which is the the score but also the sound design because the sound design oh, yeah. of this film was not only important to the film but it was actually very very important to the genre the opening of the film which you know most people that are probably listening to this podcast just like us you have experienced this film for the first time at home if you're lucky enough hopefully you have experienced it in the cinema the opening of this film is purely designed for cinema exhibition because the idea is that it would be a completely blacked out room. Most people would be sat down. Some people would still be filling in. And then you get all these ghost and ghoul sounds and the, <laughs> yeah. the you know, whistling yeah. of the wind and the screams and all of this stuff that nowadays is, you know, it's just horror convention. It's horror convention. We, we get all that stuff. It's, you don't even think anything of it, but so it was so effective. Ooh, yeah. yeah. And so popular in 1959 that then they created these, kind of scare tracks which was just a a vinyl music disc of which you know your haunted houses and your you know what be it whatever whatever your scare attraction was this was the disc you would put on and these are the sounds you would use and i find it really really interesting that started with house on haunted hill and what is really interesting about that is again this is a film that's directed by william castle who is very well known for his gimmicks of getting bums in seats and trying to get as many people to his horror films as possible funny thing is this wasn't his gimmick he did have a gimmick which was the skeleton that would fly over the audience but this wasn't really so the you gimmick hear this what film they had to stop doing that for a lot yes. of places though yeah yeah 
because of the um kids were kids, kids, kids were fucking around back then man. yeah yeah kids getting out <laughs> there um slingshots, slingshots with ball yeah. bearings and rocks come on bro <laughs> so so touch on that a little bit for those that don't know um explain a little bit about the skeleton trick okay so at one point a skeleton is used to menace a character and in order to add an extra oomph to the experience which is how william castle got butts and seats was an experience he had a rig set up to where uh, you know, a skeleton would fly out over the audience. And when word got around that that would happen, young vagabonds started bringing slingshots and ball bearings and lug nuts and rocks and marbles and anything heavy they could get their hands on and tried to pelt it. So they had to stop doing that. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. And it also wasn't as effective as, um, as they made out. Because I can imagine, it, while it would have been an experience, it would have completely taken you out of the film the skeleton is meant to appear at the exact time the skeleton pops up at the end of the film so if you're watching this skeleton in front of you that's now flying over the audience you're not watching the screen so i can only imagine as an audience member the confusion that might lead to you know and then you're you're going back into the scene like oh i missed the last of the movie well also it's quite an important there's an important twist (laughs) to do with that to do with a skeleton (laughs) Like and if you completely miss that, yeah, I can imagine that that would completely take you up. But from from everything I read, this was a very very successful film. Oh yes. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was the most successful William Castle film, but it was certainly up there. And it oh, was absolutely. yeah. And you know, one thing we did talk about before we come on air is among other films, this was one film that a little-known director called Alfred Hitchcock paid attention yeah, to. you should look and, that guy up. It's yeah, good. look that guy up. He's, he's got some good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and was um, an influence on why he decided to make Psycho, among among other reasons. There's a million reasons why he wanted to make Psycho. But, yeah, the box office success of this film on quite a, you know, fairly cheap budget for the time oh, yeah. was definitely uh, a way forward, you know. One I thing know. I want to touch on and it, this is just your opinion of this and then anyone that's listening please please throw your opinions down what are your opinions of within the film is the house actually haunted because let, let's talk right and uh, let, let me <laughs> let me get you there right why, why okay, i okay. ask this question let's say at the start of the film she's presented as some kind of ghost lady right, right. and the way she appears and exits the scenes is very ghost-like it's After. very like it's she floats she uh, she floats yeah, into yeah. the scene she, she floats, floats out of the scene right she appears from nowhere in one scene and then she floats out of the scene there is a wide shot of her floating right it is then revealed in a little twist halfway through the film and again spoiler warning <laughs> that she's not a ghost at all she is one of the maids or one of the caretakers at a house that has been there for years here's the question if she is a ghost fair enough fine could be that you know she and her husband in in the film are you know they died there but they're still looking after it they're caretakers vincent price's character is not aware that they're ghosts or he is but he's just playing with the caretakers fine if that's the case fine however it didn't come across that way for me. It come across not as really. the twist. They're not really ghosts. She's just one of the caretakers. Now, if that is the case, how does that explain her movement 
into scenes and out of scenes. Why does she float across the floor? You just weren't paying attention, Scott. There was a skateboard there the whole time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like that's again, this is why I say there's some stuff that doesn't make sense in that vein. A little bit like the character of Annabelle. She apparently dies, but then we find out later on that it's all a ploy. Part of that trick is that she appears, Annabelle appears outside the window to Nora. Uh-huh. Right? Fine. She appears outside the window to Nora. She's pretending to be a ghost. Fine. That is quite explainable. What isn't explainable is what the rope around her neck does. How does the rope come through the window, wrap itself around Nora's legs, <laughs> right? and then unwrap right. itself around Nora's legs, and back out the window? How did they manage that if yeah. she wasn't actually haunted? Right? You know, I so, was just letting the movie happen. You, you, you raised a very valid point, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But there's so so with me throwing them out there, with me throwing them out there, and obviously at the end, again, full spoiler warning. So at the end of the film, when the skeleton appears, we also discover that's a trick on behalf of Frederick Vincent Price's character. So we now know that nearly all of the ghosts and ghouls we have seen in the film are all tricks. Which which I really like as a story, right? I really like that it's this fake ghost story. However, the character of Watson, the whole way through this film, is telling us that there are ghosts in the house. There are real ghosts in the house. And Absolutely. the film ends with him telling us this, that they're now coming after him. We never see any real ghosts, though, do we? <laughs> Within the film, there's only one character who actually sees ghosts. I think it's Nora. Yeah, it is Nora, yeah. But even those yeah. are explained away. Exactly. Explained away, mm-hmm. and then the skeleton at the end, which Annabelle and Doctor Trent sees again, explained away. So we don't see any real ghosts. Yet Truth. Watson is adamant this is a real haunted house and has a haunted history. So again, my question: Do you believe it's in the film, within the film, within that world? Is this house haunted, or is it all parlor tricks? I want to believe that it's a little bit of both, but that, that's because that's how my brain goes. And as much as like, okay, so the window scene, like, why exactly? Why is the character floating? And then we can do we can deal with that, but why 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 does the rope come up and around? Because it's both. And rather than her noticing as the person floating outside the window that that's what was happening on top of her floating outside the window, she was just like, yeah, I'm floating, I'm scaring you, ha 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 ha. She didn't acknowledge the rope thing. It's ah, not like she was like, and now I'm going to encircle you with rope. It just happened. Interesting. Okay. I like that <laughs> idea. So for me, I completely took it the other way. That there are no real ghosts or ghouls within the house on Haunted Hill. It is all stories and parlor tricks. And Vincent Price's character, Frederick, knew this. And that's why he threw this party and brought all these people there to take advantage of that to get to the bottom of what his wife and dr trump were planning but i do like what you've just said and it's kind of given me another way to look at the film that it's a bit above you know and my (laughs) my in my head my explanation for watson is if at the start of the film he lists off kind of the horrible history he has had with the house Mm 
with right. everyone he's known that has died there and the horrible stuff that's happened to him in his life. And for me, that is just a guy who needs an explanation for these tragic events that have happened in his life. And the easiest way to explain that is by a haunted house. Okay. Not yeah. by that they're simply tragic events. Which which i kind of and again this is why this film's really interesting to me because that's kind of the way i look at a lot of paranormal stuff anyway there are some stuff you just can't explain but i think with a lot of paranormal stuff it is just us trying to find reasons for stuff we either don't understand or stuff we don't want to face so in mm-hmm. the ca- in the case of watson he doesn't want to face the reality of the tragic things that have happened to his family members so the easiest way to explain that away is well it wasn't them it was these ghosts or, or ghouls, you know? I get you. Yeah, yeah. right on. And I, I think that's that's probably the deepest way anyone has ever looked at a William Castle film. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, that's just kind of where my head went with this one. So yeah, I'm glad I got your thoughts on it. And I'll be I'm really interested to hear what you guys think, actually. So, you know, please drop it in the comments. Please let us know what you feel, because I feel like this film can be read several ways. I really Absolutely. do. Even if your preferred way is one, is one way, you probably at the same time have another two or three ways in your head already. Yes. Yeah. Completely agree, man. Completely agree. Let's talk about the cinematography. So for me, that's where the film really, really holds up. Like it's a gorgeous look film. Where did you watch this film? First time on a very public domain looking DVD, this time on a very nice looking Amazon prime stream. Yes. So that's what I watch. I watch it on Amazon prime as well. And it was a really nice transfer. Mm-hmm. A really, really nice transfer. You, what stood out for you, man? There was a lot that they they chose to do very specifically that I just really kind of loved. Um, even as cheesy as, as it may seem now, like we were talking earlier, the is she a ghost or is she just a caretaker? So they clearly just put her on a board with some wheels and pull that thing across the floor. But... Again, it's 1959, so how many times has that even been done? And are you likely to have seen that? So do you even know what's happening as this person appears to literally float? There's a hallway that they use a lot. Like, I, conservatively, 10% of the film takes place in the hallway. Yeah. And with kind of good reason, because apparently uh, the set was tall enough and long enough and wide enough that they could start at one end of the hallway with the camera and a character and instead of zooming, pull the camera like on Dolly's back and reveal to another character. And they did, they, so they, they do that, you know, from a couple different angles, a couple different ways. But it's, I don't know, I got really happy because I'm like, yes, yes, use that set. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it is a gorgeous looking film, you know, like, and we say this every week, but I think there is something in that. A lot of these, classic horror films that we talk about and we'll talk about even the ones that don't have a lot of money like a carnival of souls that's what they get right you know and, and they know that and they appreciate that and they take a lot of care and a lot of time in getting the lighting right getting the camera choices right getting the camera set up you know and for someone like william castle to really get that right someone that you know from most stuff you read didn't care too much about the filmmaking process it was more about the the exhibition and the experience yeah for him to really take some it showed you how important it was back then to really really get that stuff right and i think that is something that's lost a little bit within modern horror films is they don't take 
enough time. I'd like to see that come back a little bit more. But for me, it worked really well, man. And I, I thought it was an absolutely gorgeous film. Like you said, there's so many shots down the hall, down the hallways and throughout the house as well. I just think there's really great use of lighting and the way oh, they absolutely. use light. They, one of the things that stood out for me is where they're exploring the basement for the first time. Uh-huh. And they go into a room that is completely pitch black. And one of the yeah. characters lights a match or, or, or a lighter or something. And as he walks in, all of a sudden, the, the light comes up within the room. And now that match would never have enough light to fill that room. But it's this, it's just a really simple, great technique of having a light in the room. Then as he enters, you just, on a dimmer, just turn the light up. And then yeah, as he exits, exactly. you just turn it down. And it's very, very simple, but it's very effective. It's very, very Agreed. effective. It really is. And it works really, really well. And again, you know, how many times had that been done by 1959? You know, probably not a lot. Like filmmaking, as in working with sound and working with moving images and moving cameras, it was still fairly new at that point. You know, it hadn't been around for, it had only been around for like 40, 50 years, you know, at that point. And, and most people were still up until the 30s and 40s, most people were still trying to keep everything as kind of still and stationary as possible. So it was really nice in this film to see as much movement as there was in as many dolly shots and the camera moving about quite a lot. You know, it was quite... Well, it, it was a real example like of what was to come. Okay. On the camera work front, uh, one of the things that I found most impressive in the film was when Pritchard was having that freak out in the living room area and it had most of the principal characters that were you know left at the time uh, all in the scene and there were subtle camera movements within singular shots and i just they they, they didn't have like a giant hallway or giant 30 foot ceiling so you can get cranes in there all of the uninvited but the way that they used the space and the technology of the time i just i loved it i loved it so much you know i think we both agree it's, it's really really stunning Guys, I, I think you'll probably agree too, especially for those that have listened to our other episodes and have agreed with what we said on them films. I think it is something a classic horror does really, really well and is kind of lost on modern cinema. And especially where cinematography would go and you would see where especially camera movement would go. I feel like films like this were early indications of that with the dolly shots and the, the movement through hallways. You know, Absolutely, you could definitely yeah. see that influence on something like The Shining which was mm. the first film to use mm-hmm. a steady cam, you know, and I feel like there's definitely an influence you can see from House on Haunted Hill. So I think let's leave that one there because I think there's a few trivia bits I want to get to that I find quite interesting. I know you've got a few trivia bits. So one that I'll throw out straight away is you already touched on it. The Like a few of the films you touched on, unfortunately, um, for someone, but, you know, probably not unfortunately for us because it means they're easily accessible, is House on Haunted Hill is another classic horror that is in the public domain once again quite a simple reason why it was they just let the copyright run out so it was a film that was under a company called allied artists which i'm not sure is around anymore and at the time pretty it was actually, sure it's not <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure it's not yeah and at the time it was one of their most profitable films of the 1950s so you know definitely saying they were to protect really they just they let the copyright run out on it so it is widely available and due to that and due to its popularity it is actually one of the most reproduced films it's definitely one of the first films that i ever saw on a dvd at the dollar right. store 
but you sure. also said, and I completely agree with you, because my DVD is exactly the same, is they are bad quality public domain films. Oh, they're, they're those... clearly copies of third, fourth, fifth, sixth right. generation. So that's where it is. So I thought that was quite interesting for, for you guys out there that might, know, might not know this. Is when a film falls into the public domain, basically all that means is you can, you can share it, you can put it online nowadays, you can show it, you could put it in a cinema yourself, you could do whatever you want with it, and no one can tell you not to. However, you have to find a copy somewhere of that film. The original versions of that film will still be owned by either the producer or the studio that made it. So with this film, the original prints, the 35mm prints, are still owned by Warner Bros, who um, purchased the uh, library from Allied Artists when they went out of business. And because of that, because there's a lot of these bad copies out there oddly even though it's in the public domain and you could completely put a screening on this for free mm-hmm. this is still one of warner With all bros. your profits most yeah yeah this is still one of warner bros most requested 35 millimeter prints purely because of how popular this film is and that's incredible considering it's in the public domain but it still genuinely makes money so it just goes to show you if you make because a good it's film it's genuinely entertaining yeah you make something that would connect with people there is always that demand for it. Even though people can get it for free, they'll always want a really, really good copy of it. Like we said, you can get this for free. It's on it's on Amazon Prime. But if Criterion were to put out a version of this, oh, or Arrow Video were to put out a version of this, I'd snap that up straight away, without a doubt. So what you got, buddy? Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, widely considered, you know, best horror host of all time. Uh-huh. Uh, she has said uh, on record several times, that her favorite horror film is House on Haunted Hill. And her favorite uh, horror actor, uh, villain actor ever is Vincent Price. Of course, as with, yeah. as with most people. And she, she actually states, doesn't she, that this was her gateway into horror. This is what got her Hill into horror, horror. absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, for those of you that are fans uh, of Elvira, as we are, this is the film we have to thank for mm-hmm. Elvira going, going down that road. All right, buddy. So the last bit of trivia I'm going to touch on, and I think this is a great point to end it, you know, which I couldn't find if it was a direct quote, but I'm going to say it's a direct uh, reference, is within this film, the Vincent Price character of Frederick says to the character Lance at one point, it's close to midnight, Lance. The opening lyric of Michael Jackson's thriller is it's close to midnight, Vincent Price is the one that delivers the opening monologue to that song. So I thought there is no way that Michael Jackson is not referencing House on Haunted Hill. It's been a good one, man. I've really enjoyed this. We're definitely going to have to uh, touch on some more William Castle classics. I think the you guys have already shown us you're a, you're a bit of a fan of William Castle. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in again. And until next week, stay safe, Horror Hounds. Take care, everybody. Bye.